You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Yes, Locked On Browns, your daily podcast coming to Cleveland Browns, your team every day for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Um, yeah, guys, it's a Friday night. We're going to record. Um, I. Uh, it seems that we actually... The Lloyds have some plans tomorrow evening. Um, we do have one little trooper down for the count. So probably no recording tomorrow night. Whatever. We'll get back to it on Sunday. I, I think we've earned a day off here. Um, you can get Locked on Browns on the new, on the brand new podcasting app, Hibalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, guys, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that, you know. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast. Locked on Browns. Uh, appreciate it, guys. Uh, you know, another great week here. Um Obviously, all you guys listen along. Um, guys, can, I, I just want to ask one little favor here. Um, look, as this show grows and grows and grows, and, and I, I, I'm certainly appreciative and everything, I, 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 let's not get in it with other people in their work. Look, Twitter, whatever, and busting chops, that stuff. But, uh, guys, with the iTunes ratings reviews, um, I, I don't need you to go to another podcast and leave them a bad review and put Locked on Browns into it. Um, because then it ends up coming back vice versa, and it's it, it, nobody needs it. I mean, look, uh, obviously the Browns right now are a hot topic. There are a ton of avenues which you can listen to, read, obviously guys like Pete Smith, and a million other avenues. But, I mean, let's just not go that route. If you're here and you enjoy it, I, trust me, I, I'm glad you're here. It's why we keep doing it like we do. And, you know, look, I mean, some of the shows go to three times a week. Uh, me, most of the time, you're getting five to six, if not seven shows a week. I, I know you guys are listening, and you know when I check the numbers, and if the numbers are still there, that's why I keep doing it. I mean, we're kind of doing it for you. Look, me and Pete, I mean, we could just do this through DMs all night long on a Friday night. But, you know, I don't know what, hey, might as well fire up the recorders and, you know, th- throw some shit against the wall and see what sticks. But, I mean, we would be doing this anyway. So, we might as well, you know, go ahead and sit down and record it. And with four women in my house right now, I can use the little escape from everybody. But, yeah, let, guys, let's just, just, let's just not do that. I don't. It just ends up being more headaches. Um, you know, I re- you know, obviously, you know, somebody did it, you know, uh, in one of their reviews over at uh, the Orangers, you know, Orange is Oranger. And, look, Jeremy and I... We're not very close. It's that's fine. I mean, neither way. I mean, we we would both admit it. But then what happens immediately is you know Jeremy and he has a right to because it's you know I understand where he's aggravated. But then what happens is you know an hour ago I go check the iTunes reading reviews for Locked On Browns and some but one of his fans over there does the same thing here. It's just not going to stop. So just you know let's not start the fire. That way nobody has to put the fire out. Uh, if that's where you choose to listen, that's fine. You choose to listen here. I know there's a bunch of people who listen to every damn podcast there is. And, you know, thankful for all of it. But, you know, the, the nonsense in that, I just, there's too much work to be on. And, you know, nobody needs the headaches, especially, you know, look, we all got families. We all got, you know, careers outside of this. You know, there's just not time for that nonsense. Um, we got some stuff to get here today. Um, and actually, I, I guess we'll start off because, Pete, we kind of talked about this last night. We're getting to the point now with some of you know where and it, this kind of goes back to the Lance Erling from thing from last night is you know we're starting to see more guys diminish at this point in the draft cycle than we're starting to see guys jump and you know maybe you know and uh, now obviously today you know Greedy Williams we still don't have agility numbers um, there's no announcement of if he's ever going to do those. Um, report comes out today that DeAndre Baker is not interviewing at, well at all. 
So maybe you're starting to see some pieces here as to you know where John Dorsey felt more and more comfortable of using 17. I mean, granted, as fantastic and great as Odell is, but felt okay with saying, you want to know what? I'll set the first round out. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you run into a situation where you know, it, it, you know, on one hand, if you're if you're his camp, you know, for for a guy like Greedy Williams, you're saying, well, he's so good, he doesn't need to do A, B, and C. Um, and maybe there are teams that feel that way, that they love him so much that they're going to take him anyway. Or you're on, in the other camp of why? What are you afraid of? What are you hiding here that you're not willing to do these things? Or you know, maybe you haven't prepared for them or whatever. And it leads if you. If you to, didn't prepare for the man, my God, that's you know that sends off all the bells and whistles right there. Right. So I mean, you're you're sort of left with, you know, you, you sort of have to draw your own conclusions there as a team or an onlooker. I mean, you know, on, on the one hand, you know, Miles Garrett didn't do his agility. On the other hand, you know, he still went number one because he was clearly the best player. You know, I, I think Greedy Williams and players like uh, him and DeAndre Baker have enough questions that that seems risky but if he's good and you know he ends up going let's say you know late first round early to mid second round at at worst um and he's great no one will care uh so you know personally i'm somebody who who loves to get as much data as possible i love it when guys compete just because they want to be out there but you know, when 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 it when it you frame it as somebody you really like, you tend tend not to, um, you you tend to not care about those little details. Meanwhile, if you're not sure or you don't like somebody, you tend to uh, immediately trend towards the negative on that. Um, I don't love either one. I don't love Greedy Williams. I I, I do think his freshman tape is better than his sophomore tape. Um. The you know the the thing, thing at the combine to me was just lame, um, and when he tried to pull up lame after he just didn't do something very well, um, DeAndre Baker uh, you know we and there's know. no way and there's no way you're good three weeks three less than three weeks later there's no way right we had Joe Schobert tell us this yeah um, and and with DeAndre Baker I don't know I mean he, his tape is great he plays really really well. You know, is it an immaturity thing? Is it a doesn't want to do? Isn't really a worker thing? Is it, you know, he's genuinely a bad kid type thing? Who knows? Uh, that's, you know, we're never going to get that 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 question answered. But on the one hand, you could totally see where DeAndre Baker gets drafted, you know, second round and goes on and and you know figures it out when money's on the line, when his you know when it's really his career. And he's great. On the other hand, you can see where you know that that doesn't end well. And God knows the Browns have dealt with any number of situations where a kid, you know, where where people had this conversation where they're saying, "Well, player X is going to grow up, figure this thing out, and realize how important this is," and then you know, a year later, they're getting cut because they just didn't do it. So that's the decision John Dorsey has to make. I, personally, I think. When you get into these situations, you look at the guys who aren't making it difficult for you. Justin Lane is the guy who's making it very easy on you. I think Julian Love is making it very easy on you. Yep. Um, and they play that same position. So yeah, that, that becomes where you, you weigh risks and stuff like that and how much you just you, – you, you do go and trust the tape. And, you, and you're saying, I've seen this. That makes me believe he can do this. And, you know, that can work. There's no question about that. But, you know, you look at a guy like Draymond Jones – 
and it would suggest your eyes were lying to you um, in terms of what he was physically capable of. So I, I totally – I don't like the game that they play, but I get it because, you know – it works. You know, it, it can get a kid drafted maybe higher than they should be. And occasionally they, they you know, they, they kick their legs fast enough that they basically teach themselves how to swim type deal. But more often than not, it tends to be hiding a weakness that they really don't want to expose. And then the team finds out later and they don't pan out. Um, yeah, I mean, and just continuing on this, uh, for me, one thing with Greedy Williams is um, I don't know how you go to a program like LSU – and you get to your pro day in eight reps, only 225. Um, you know, this, these people have one job, these strength and conditioning coaches. And it's, you know, I mean, look, you get to double digits. Everyone says, ah, it's cornerback. It's fine. Uh, you know, eight, you know, and it's, it's it wouldn't be so much anything to pick on, but you don't have agility numbers. You, you saw the frustration at the combine. And, you know, look, I mean, and, and I said it then, and I'll say, no, yeah, these kids have, Everything in the world riding on it. So it's like, yeah, if something goes wrong, you can understand you know, where they may lose their mind a little bit. But there's 300-something kids there. And you know, not everybody where something goes wrong are ready to pack it in or, or, or ready to lose it. You know, and it's it's you know when we we talked about it. It's 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 an insanely difficult process because I mean you're meeting with people all over the place. Your body's being poked and prodded. You've got to put up the best testing numbers you've ever put up in your entire life, and it is a mental strain. But there are three hundred something other kids doing it, and you know you don't see nearly as many flameouts as you do see guys go out there and do everything they can. Um, DeAndre Baker, look at part of these meetings. Pete, and, and you know Pete knows. I mean, we all know they're trying to push your buttons. They're trying to see how far they can go before you get upset or you say stuff you didn't. I mean, everybody remembers. You know, I mean, years ago, somebody asked Des Bryant whether or not his mom was a crack whore. I the mean, Dolphins. Yeah, I mean, that's at first off, it's absolutely disgusting. And I'll tell you right now, they're lucky Des Bryant didn't knock everybody in that room out cold because there are some dudes that would have re- reacted that way, and you want you know it kind of would have been understood. But they're trying to see where it is, where you will lose it. Uh, you know, if Baker had got to that point, it's going to hurt him. Um, you know, hope you know. And granted, there's some teams saying, "Wow, we didn't meet with DeAndre Baker. I'll just take the player. I'll, you know, I'll worry about the risk later." Fine. Okay, so you, 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 and you're out. I've got a grade out of about 2022. 20, I may get him at 34 or 35. You know, win for me, and you know, and then maybe he says, "Oh man, I cost myself three to four million dollars. I'm going to go in there and ball the hell out." You know, there's just many avenues to it. Um, you know, I, I think it was a nice number from Kentucky Pro, Pro Day today. Pete will bring that up here, um, guys. Um, uh, reminder: uh, remember to get this show every day. Subscribe to Locked On Browns on the new Himalayan podcast app. In every expanding podcast, in the ever expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with the personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked On Browns, guys. Obviously, like I said, everything and all is appreciated, guys. Um, Pete Lonnie Johnson, um, you know, you know, first things first when you hear a four three nine at a pro day, you're gonna take a little step back. But you know, look, if there's some guys falling in the cornerback position, there's gonna be some guys rising. You know, Lonnie Johnson, I know the coverage grade wasn't so great, but, you know, it, you throw up a 4-3-9 in a pro day, there's no way it's hurting you. No. Um, and and the immediate reaction was as you'd expect. You know, people were going, wow, you know, 
it's an eye-popping number for a guy who honestly isn't that good. I mean, (laughs) he's, he's regarded as one, like one of the most inconsistent corners in this class, a guy who basically got beat on quite a bit. Looks like Tarzan Um, plays like Jane. Yeah. He's been a guy who's been awfully criticized, you know, quite a bit throughout this process and, and on a team that has, you know, a, a pretty good number of defensive prospects coming out. Obviously, jo- good Josh Allen is, is at the top of the board, you know, but even guys like, you know, I, I mentioned Jordan Jones, uh, the linebacker the other day, and they've got the other uh, corner, Beatty, or Beatty, I don't know how to pronounce it, Derek Beatty, um, and they've got a safety coming out too. So when you see a guy with that kind of length running that kind of time, you're going to get guys who who look and 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 I don't, I don't doubt teams look the same way and 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 you get you'll get into a situation where you'll have people try to rationalize what has been a pretty mediocre you know career in terms of what's happening and you'll get to people who will talk themselves into well if we can get him to do you know a b and c then this will work out and it wouldn't surprise me at all if he goes higher than he should based on that number entirely. Um, it's very similar to Isaiah Johnson at Houston, who some people are saying is a you know a second-round pick. There is nothing on tape that suggests he's a second-round pick, but his athleticism is out of this world, and he's got length. He's 6'2 uh, and change and about 200 pounds. I, I don't have the dimensions in front of me, but uh, – this kid is is another long corner, and there are always teams who are going to talk themselves into those type of dimensions, uh, specifically when it comes to long corners, because they tend not to be uh, as as gifted athletically. And the name that immediately comes to mind when you see guys like this is Philip, uh, or not Philip, Patrick Peterson, being yep. the, the top guy. He's the dude. And then when he was on, and he's still playing in the league, but he was when he was on his game. And he was, you know, at the peak of his powers, Dominique Rodgers-Cromartie was sort of in that role. Um, you know, the teams are always going to try to take shots on that. Uh, you know, for me, again, Justin Lane has that length, doesn't have quite that eye-popping speed, but I think he's just a, a better player. But, the, the, you know, that that drill, that number can make people do stupid things. And, you know, Al Davis can, you know, Show up in some teams in some teams' uh, war room and suddenly make the pick. That suddenly this dude gets picked in the second, third round. Uh, there's any number of corners who have been picked and uh, receivers the same way who get picked based on a forty that really didn't do anything and disappeared just as quick. But the Darius thing is, like, Bay. he's a good example. But uh, you know, and Jim Coburn will even mention it. You know, four three can immediately make you know a pretty average corner everywhere else project to be a starter type quality player just because of what that can do for you at that position. And the fact that some coaches just think they're superheroes. Well, you know what? I, I, I'll, I'll give him, I'll give him the information he doesn't know. I will get him to do what he never did. And, you know, look, I mean, obviously the kid ran a four, three his whole life. It, it didn't just show up now, but you know, there's always coaches that think they're, look, they're better than the coaches the kid had before. And, you know, they can move and change the world in that respect, so I mean, it's you know, I mean, it's a gamble. It's a gamble, but I mean, you know, you're certainly not doing yourself any harm uh, in any way whatsoever by putting up a number like that. Um, we do have some listener questions here, and actually, Anthony, uh, Anthony Jokey, uh, him and uh, Jack McMurray, one eighty ten eighty five gridiron podcast. But this is a good one. AFC playoff teams 
today, Pete. 2019 AFC playoff teams. Obviously, there'll be six of them. Let's go. Wow. Uh, all right, let's go. Uh, Browns, Patriots, Colts, uh, Chiefs, Chargers, and I need one more. Man. This is where it gets tricky. I've got already got two from the AFC West. It's a, it's that final wild card. I, I'm not going to go that route. That that's suicide. Um, you were going to say Pittsburgh, weren't you? No, I was actually going to say the Jets, and that's suicide. No, I will say Pittsburgh. I will say Pittsburgh gets that last AFC wild card um, because I can't figure out anyone else who has even a remote shot at it unless you're going to try unless you're going to try to make the case that Nick Foles was the missing piece to Jacksonville and that you know between that and the draft that they're going to sort of right the ship and everything else Pittsburgh again I, I I cannot state this enough they are a goddamn vampire if you don't stake their heart they're going to keep coming back and it would not surprise me if they can squeak their way you know into that last playoff spot and it's all largely because I don't think I think those five seeds will probably be pretty convincing. It's that sixth seed that's going to be like that ugly, you know, potentially an eight and eight team maybe even has a shot at or nine and seven squeaking in. Well, I mean, you know, if you go an eight and eight, maybe you could probably put the Jets in there. Uh, I will give Anthony's. Anthony had division winners, Browns, Chiefs, Colts, Patriots, wild card of Chargers and Texans. One thing I I will switch here, uh, until Kansas City does more on defense – I, if we're, you know, look, the Chargers played Kansas City and played them very well. Uh, I like their defense better. I would say maybe I would take the Chargers with the division. The, the Chiefs will score enough to get to the playoffs. That's not a question. The Texans, um, they they made a move today on the offensive line. I don't know, Pete, if they got themselves any better by any means whatsoever. But you know, no, they have a type. Yes, they have a type. It's bad. The not good. Yes, the bad, the not good. The uh, Deshaun Watson, man. Let me tell you something, bro. Take insurance out on yourself. Whatever you got to do, because guys, we had mentioned this when we played him last year. We were concerned about him then, and they're just. And I even remember uh, when I bring up Lance Erland again. You know, obviously he's down in that area. You know, so obviously you know knows the Houston franchise inside and out. And uh, you know, somebody had sent to him. Uh, you know, are you concerned that you know the, the Texans aren't concerned with their offensive line? And he's like, yeah, I usually don't want to go 10 days without addressing the offensive line when your offensive line was absolutely crap and terrible. And then the movie made today, I mean, you, you know, you, you're not you're not looking for – you need better than somebody cut this guy. So maybe we'll – from a bad deal where he was absolutely awful. But, yeah, no, 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 that's the guy. We'll bring him in. I mean, you know, Deshaun Watson, man, if I'm him, I'm shaking like a leaf on a goddamn tree right now. So, But I, I do agree with five of the six. And this is where you get to the sixth. And, you know, Pittsburgh, yeah, that's, I mean, I agree with Pete there. I mean, you know, look, when you've been around the party for so long, it's hard to believe that you are going to fall off. I will go just a little bit different here. And I'm not even sure if I'm so sold on it. And, you know, our good buddy Steve Morton. I'll say Tennessee. You know, Harold Landry in year two. Uh, you know, good offensive line. Hopefully they're smart enough where they realize it runs behind Derrick Henry. Maybe Marcus Mariota finally finds a, a stretch where he can play 16 games and doesn't show up lame in the late November or early December where everything falls apart. I mean, God knows, Pete, they got Ryan Tannehill there now to make it all work or whatever. But, well, you know, why not? I mean, if we're struggling to find a sixth team, 
I'll throw Tennessee in this mix. So you know, that, you know, with those five, put Tennessee here, Tennessee in there as well. But as well, but you know, uh, I, I think you're, I think you're confident about three to four about how are these going to work out. But that was a good question. I mean, it's probably a good thing to start peeking forward to a little bit this time of year. Um, and now this one, uh, the at, uh, I believe it's uh, Ricky Stokes. Is it possible for Joe Schobert to play the hybrid linebacker safety position that Barron did uh, with the Rams, and and could uh, and, and you know could that successfully fill the strong safety need? No, he, the answer is yes. He can play that position, but the answer is yes because Mark Barron was playing Mike, like that. Yep. Joe Schobert is the Mike linebacker. That is, it's not a hybrid role. They literally just put Mark Barron and said you're the Mike linebacker. That's the job. I mean, and Joe Schobert, let's put it this way. Unless you get a franchise talent, Mike Backer, that's making it so Schobert's a better fit at will, you don't move him because you want him on the field every single play. Um, he's been to a Pro Bowl, um, even if you want to say it was as a alternate or whatever. Uh, I think if he played the full season this past year, he would have easily gone. Um, I think he's going to be a guy who's flirting with an all-pro uh, maybe as soon as this year because now you don't have uh, Tre- Trevon Coley in front of him. You're going to, or maybe he will, but it will be like out ten plays, not sixty-five of them. Um, <laughs> you know, it, you're hopefully going to continue to beef up that line, but now it's Joe Schober right now playing behind uh, Sheldon Richardson and Larry Ogunjobi. Like I like that situation and where where this potentially launches Schobert is because if those four guys in that front four plus Gennard Avery plus Chris Smith and those guys are consistently able to generate pressure and the Browns are consistently playing with leads, Schobert's going to be in coverage more and he's better in that role than he is as a pure run defender, which is not to say he's bad at it. If you go back to 2017, he was great. It's just that he's so uniquely gifted that he was one of the best coverage linebackers in the in the uh, National Football League last year, uh, and that was with the hamstring. If he's at full strength, he's flying around, you get what you basically had during the Jets game uh, where he's coming up with the ball, making interceptions, yep. making plays on the ball, and if they get consistency out of that secondary, now he's able to flow underneath and, you know, pressure forces mistakes. If, you know, he's flying around underneath and a quarterback – Quick, makes a quick read and he's wrong. Schobert's going to take it to the house. Like, um, again, I, you know, and, and now Peppers is gone, but I still feel this is true. Is the, those two players last year were the two most underrated players on this team, never got as much due as they should. And the difference, you know, for the people who, who want, don't remember was Joe Schobert out with a hamstring versus when he came back and how much difference it made. How much better did Jamie Collins immediately play with Schobert on the field? How much he shrinks down the uh, – how how much field guys have to cover less as a result of him being on the field. 100% coming to do his own. Hopefully they don't mess around. I mean the scheme will be different, but hopefully they don't mess around with what he does naturally anyway. I think he's in for an outstanding year. Yeah, and you look at uh, and and look, you know, most middle linebackers, inside linebackers, if you want to go, you know, talking about a three-four, you expect those guys to accumulate around a hundred tackles. That's usually how your defense is drawn up, is for these guys to do that. Um, you know, obviously Joe has shown the consistency to that do that now two years in a row. Um, you know, what takes you from a guy with a hundred tackles to a Pro Bowl guy to an All Pro guy? 
you know, there's you know turnovers, uh, you know, interceptions, um, sack numbers, and look, you know, and and there can be times where you know Joe's at a you know five yards, you know, off the line of scrimmage, just man in a short zone. And Miles is off one side, you know, Vernon's off the other, you know, the other two are collapsing the pocket, the quarterback steps up, and Joe can get some gimme sacks where, you know, maybe they don't, there's only a loss of one on the play, but, you know, he'll have the ability to do that too. It, it, it's, you know, it's he's probably one of the most underrated players in the league right now. And, you know, I, I, it's not how, I, you know, Joe doesn't seem like the guy who, it doesn't bother him. You know, I, I don't think he's out here trying to toot his own horn. He, you know, I mean, you know, endorsement deals, none of that stuff. Joe just wants to play football. It's just the type of dude he is. But, yeah, there's, I mean, he, he everything could be on the table for him. Plus, you look at the fact that now he's going to go play for Steve Wilkes, and you look, obviously, um, obviously Pete, give me the name here now, middle linebacker from the Carolina Panthers. Can't believe him. Keekly. Yeah, Keekly. I mean, this is, you know, what, you know, he's getting a younger version and hopes he can do the same things with Joe that, uh, you know, Luke Keekly did. It should be an easy, easy year for you know Joe Schober to accumulate a bunch, a bunch of production and stats. Just, just, just a note: he had three sacks and six tackles for loss last year. Um, I think, you know, when when he's on and he's you know fully healthy, he knifes in, he makes plays behind the line of scrimmage. Um, yeah, he's full service. I, I, I if he's shoot, if you've got those four guys on the field and he's shooting the a gap, I mean, what the hell are you going to do? I mean, right, he, he's exactly, going to go untouched. Yeah. He's going to go untouched. That's exactly it. it. He and he's good at it. Like this is stuff that you can, if you remember from his time at Wisconsin, he was a really, really good blitzer in terms of his timing and understanding yep. when he could exploit a gap. So yeah, um, you know, the hope is that we're all right and that Steve Wilkes is a massive upgrade for Greg Williams and that that you know Schober just being healthy is going to be outstanding. But yeah, three sacks. Six sacks for loss in the 13 games he played. Six pass deflections, two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, and a pick. You know, and it, it can get better from there. Yes, and for any of you guys, and look, I know this has been going on here about stuff with the cap and stuff like that. Joe Schobert puts together a year like me and Peter are expecting. Guess what? Take a lot of that money down because it's going to be time. You're going to have to pay Joe, and there's no way you tell your middle linebacker we're going to move on from you because uh, you're not going to replace you. There's no way you're going to bring in that in. Uh, just one other thing from Kentucky Pro Day. Uh, the Steelers are really messing with my head right now. Uh, you know, you see all these mock drafts, Devin Bush to the Steelers, Devin Bush to the Steelers. Send the running back coach out who's drooling at the mouth watching Benny Snell work out today. Steelers, get away from the guys I like, please. It, it's it's not, going to be, not going to be happy. It's going to make for some very, very tough shows next year as we move forward. Uh, Chandler Adams uh, next. Now, um, and Pete, obviously, Chandler, first things first, I appreciate it. Obviously, you're listening to the show. Um, not Browns related, but the uh, more I watch the film of good Josh Allen, that's how we know you're listening, uh, the more I believe he is the best player in the draft. Not elite, but can drop into coverage and is obviously an elite pass rusher. Thoughts? Um, well, one thing is Pete prefers interior over outside, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, he's fantastic. Um if you're asking, you know, you get into the numbers part of this, and this is where Jim Coburn is, you know, a freaking beast, is that he will point out the fact that no uh, pa- no pass rusher has been a multiple-time All-Pro. And, and, and when he says All-Pro, that means three times, uh, three times mentioned for All-Pro, uh, has ever done it with a three-cone of more than 7.11. Uh, 
Uh, Josh Allen is at 7.15. So unless he's going to break that mold, you're going to get, you know, theoretically a, a consistent Pro Bowl player who may or may not ever, you know, truly be recognized as one of the greats. Um, but he's just outstanding, and you, and you watch him, and you can certainly imagine him making plays along the lines of, you know, maybe not quite to the level of Khalil Mack, but that type of player in that he can absolutely man his position as a run defender and he can be a big-time pass rusher. That's hugely valuable. But if you're asking, all things being equal, they have to be equal for this to matter. You're going to take the guy who's close to the football every time. Um, Like everybody, you know, if if you just take in a vacuum – um, you, you're going to point out how many pass rushers have been great on the edge. It's because there's more of them. You get the truly dominant inside presence. Aaron Donald's showing you that right now. You cannot get anything better than what he's doing. I mean, what you're basically saying is, would you rather what Aaron Donald's doing or a guy like Lawrence Taylor? You know, Lawrence Taylor was outstanding to the point where he changed how the game was played, but you could theoretically – uh, and the the example is the Redskins. They could, you know, at that time could block him. They could actually deal with him. They had a guy who should be in the Hall of Fame, Joe, Joe Jacoby, who could yep. deal with a guy like Lawrence Taylor. Aaron Donald, to this point, you can't get away from him. That's the whole problem. Is he's always going to be basically two feet from the wall. Uh, he's always right there. If you want to run the ball. It's very difficult to get away from him. If you want to pass the ball, he's going to be there. You know, with those pass rushers, they're generally on one side or the other. And you, and, and if you're watching Miles Garrett, like I am, where I can't take my eyes off of him, you can see how much of an impact he makes. But there is success to be had on the other side. Um, it's just difficult to, to operate an offense where you're basically going to one part of the field. That's the difference Aaron Donald just makes life incredibly difficult no matter what if you can't block him you're you're in for a miserable day well and the other thing though is and if you guys now read read you know and look obviously I know a lot of you Browns fans aren't doing anything you know quarterback wise but read some of their scouting reports and in what you see negative wise and you'll see a bunch with he struggles with interior pressure well, so and there's a reason for that because if these guys are on you within three strides, as opposed to, you know, edge rushers five, six strides, at least it gives you a chance to do something. If this guy is in your face, the only option you got is to either duck and get the hell out of the way and take the sack, force a ball. But if you're playing with competent guys around you, you're either going to try to step to the left or step to the right, and that's not going to work out either. And that's because it all got collapsed up front, which is guy. Yeah, why Sheldon Richardson was an extremely, extremely nice pickup. iTunes, rating reviews, guys. Um, do me a favor. Keep it clean. Only stick to us. Five, stu- uh, five star written re- five star ratings, written reviews, guys. Please always keep them coming. Uh, obviously, you know, cannot be more thankful. Uh, you know, means a lot. So just keep those coming. We got a couple more here. Um, I do want to say here, uh, just for one here, uh, my guy Drake Maddox. Uh, he- he's an Australian listener. I think we just addressed this one with Joe Schobert, Pete, but uh, you know he, he does send in a bunch, and this actually wasn't a bad one. We maybe just hit the answer before we got to it. Who's going to benefit the most in Wilkes' defensive scheme as a player? I think we addressed it with Joe. If it's that's a good question. If it's not Schobert, I'm tr- struggling to think who it would be. 
And it's not, I mean, obviously it's not just the scheme, it's the added personnel when you get a guy like Sheldon Richardson. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, because the other positions that would theoretically benefit are either in flux, like strong safety, or, you know... If, if, if you're Ron gonna, Lee was brought here. Yeah, I mean, or, or you're, you're, you're trying to make a case for a corner. Um, I, I guess the other... It, it, we don't know the answer to this one yet. If... If they get to a situation where they're consistently saying it's third and you know seven or third and or second and eleven or whatever, and they they start putting a package in where Miles Garrett slides into the three, and they put in another edge rusher, basically Vernon on one side, Avery on the other, then I could say the answer to that would be Miles Garrett, uh, that you're truly you know maximizing him and finding the turd Featuring and letting him, him sort of yep. stop. Yeah, and some of that is just trust and his own development that in year three you can trust him to do more of that stuff. But that's the only other guy I can really see where things may change and he gets even better by by the defensive coordinator now moving him around to maximize him as opposed to just saying you're going to be on the right end and go kill people. Yeah, but I mean this seems even more set up for Joe who just continues to – grow as a player, and this isn't just what he does on the field. Guys, a lot of this has got to be done off the field. I mean, you, you you just don't go out there an athlete like this. You've got to be able to know what you're looking at, and you know there's so much talk about watching film, but it's also what you absorb from it. And, you know, here's Joe, you know, never played middle linebacker until he got here, and now with this unit, which has got talent everywhere, he is the leader of it. And, you know, slap a C on him because the guy freaking deserves it. He is the captain of your defense, and we said this many times last year. If you were going to sit down and individually draft guys, you know, he'd go fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever it is. But what you saw, and while Joe was out of here, it was bad. It was really, really bad. And here he, and he even came back, and you know, to his own admission, you know, and when we had him on the show, he was not even one hundred percent then. I mean, he was still working out, doing all his off-season stuff. But that was the significance of what a hamstring does to a player and an athlete like Joe. So I, I think he will excel here. Um, Patrick Mullen, um, if Pete, Pete, if you you or I were GM of the Browns, what moves would you have done differently? The same, or you know, would there be something you know you'd still be pursuing? Uh, I mean, a lot of that would depend on the time frame. I assume he's just talking mm-hmm. about right now, this this off season. I mean. The easy one for me is I would trade Jarvis Landry. I know everybody hates that, but yeah, I would do it. I, I think but, you can get but, better. But at that. also, though, but within our own stance on Jarvis Landry, wh- what you getting for the price tag and for what he truly is? You know, I, I don't know if you're going to get much back. No, and I'm willing to accept that fact. But I expect it's like, <laughs> I, I, I'm looking at I'm looking at a team like Oakland who's just ready to do dumb shit. And I'm saying, what what do you you know what are you willing to give for this type of player or whatever? But you know that's one where I'd at least investigate it. Um, if you're asking, you know, basically, what, do I like Sheldon Richardson? Do I like to trade for Odell, Odell Beckham? Yes, yes. Um, I don't like the kid they the, the dude they signed today, um, Winsman or whatever his name is. Uh, he's awful. Uh, in that respect, I'd probably go- be going to younger guys uh, that I have liked in the past that they've had on this roster, whether it was C.J. Schneider. I don't even know what happened to that dude. Uh, super athletic 
Cal Davis kid who was in the Green Bay system for a minute and then was in the Browns for a minute and they cut him. Uh, the unicycling guard they had from Canada, whose name I can't think of off the top of my head. Uh, Anthony Fabiano, those type of guys, you know, had some center ability, very good athlete. Um, and I would basically say, you know, to Campin is, look, if if we can get something out of one of these guys, great. And if not, we'll move on. But, you know, like that guy, Wentzman, whatever his name is, I'm sure I'm butchering it, um, is a body and nothing else. Like I, I cannot imagine as, as short of catastrophic injuries where that guy makes the team and you certainly don't want him on the field. I'm fine with Eric Cush. That seems like a quality signing. I'm fine with Philip Gaines. Um, the, the stuff I would look on into now is, you know, I would probably keep Emmanuel Ogba, but if for whatever reason there's a deal out there where I want to move him, I would look to Miami and I would look to Robert Quinn. And if they want to pay a bunch of money off his contract and give him, give it a DN for two mil. Yep. Yeah. For, for a late round pick that, you know, had six and a half sacks last year is a very productive player that can keep my rotation, uh, Fresh, I'm absolutely looking looking into that. Um, I don't think he's signed yet. I would probably inve- at least investigate a kid like Rodney Gunter still. Um, I don't know what you know the asking price is there. I'd at least look into it. Like the Browns don't have a ton of money to play with at this point. Um, if there's anything else, no, that's lo- I mean, and I guess, I guess the other part would be, you know, I'd want to find out more about you know what this team really wants with Duke Johnson. But part of my thought process with moving up from uh, Jarvis Landry is I would just, if, if, if if we've come to the conclusion that Duke Johnson doesn't want to be a running back anymore, then I'll make him a slot receiver and I will get a better slot receiver uh, than the one they, they had last year. Um, I would sign, you know, Ricardo Higgins, I would want to get back, um, other than that, I mean, I, I, you know, for the most part, I'm really happy with what they've done. You know, much much of the disagreeing is coming around the edges, and and the, but the main points are strong. I feel like they're in a much better position, and at least so far, they are in a position to be very financially responsible next year and keep this thing rolling. Um, I'll go with two here. Um, I'm kind of okay with everything they did, and even you know, I'm with you. The uh, the lineman they brought in today. Um, when you when you go and you look up a guy and it's one year here, one year here, one year here, one year here, guys, that pretty much tells the story, uh, you know, of what a player is. Kush is a nice player. Uh, you know, the tackle from the Texans, uh, he he's fine. Yeah, I mean, the, he's. I mean, you know, and I said with John Costco, you know, him looking at the tackles they had, and you look at their PFF grades, and it's kind of the Spider-Man meme. It's hey, hey, hey. You know, I mean, they're all kind of similar. Kind of the same guys. Uh, me, um, if Brashard Perriman was so upset over the Odell Beckham trade, I would have said, all right, well, if you're going to go to Tampa for the same money, does one year 475, does one year 5? Because I, I, I would have wanted to stick, you know, I mean, imagine him on an outside and Beckham and, you know, n- knowing what you knew about Perriman, you know, what we saw last year. So, look, you know, if I give you a little more money, it's going to make you happier. Uh, you know, do you really want to go to Tampa Bay, which it probably ain't going to do jack this year? Would you rather stay here where finally people knew your name and you weren't a punchline? Other one I would have revisited, um, haha, Clinton Dix. One year, $3.5 million. If you knew that could have been the range 
And look, the Bears is a good situation. Obviously, you know, the, you know a, lot, a lot of expectations there. He's going to, you know, play in a lot of meaningful games, a lot of primetime games. But that's that, that's a fire I would have wanted to poke in for the money. And, you know, look, you have Kindred. You could have found a way to rotate all three of these safeties. Easily could have made it work. And if it was one year, three, five, four million, yeah, it's probably, a, you know, a, a hand of poker I probably would have wanted to have been in, you know, myself. So that's that's one I'll go with there. Uh, let's check it over here from the other account. Um... While you're looking at that, I would look at signing Danny Shelton. I don't care that people don't. He's he's very good at what he is. I want somebody to take 35%, 30 to 35% off the plate of Larry Okunjobi so he can be fresher. Um, I would try to get the the extension done with J.C. Treader. I I think that's critical, especially now that you've moved on from uh, Zeitler. I would look into the Demarius Randall thing. If he's expecting to be paid nine or ten million dollars per year on an extension, I'm looking for a new free safety. That's insane. He's a nice player, a great story. You know, six seven million, fine. Uh, I can live with that. Uh, if he thinks it's more than that, we've got a problem. Um, I'm trying to think. Is it? And then and then I would start you know talking to Schobert about getting that deal done. Um, you know, I, I I think for both sides, you know, certainly the Browns getting him signed now probably means getting him for less from Schobert sign. That means, you know, money will be money in the pocket as opposed to waiting another year uh, to money that not, might not be there. You know, if you can get him for, you know, and obvi- with an extension with him or any rookie like that, it goes on to the, the, the next year of the uh, of the current rookie contract it would not replace it so if you're getting for like let's say 11 million a year for example it would be on to next year uh uh that starting he'd still be on because this is what happened with petonio you're still on that last year of like for for a fourth round pick you know probably less than a million dollars before you you get into that sweet sweet money but uh yeah i would try to i would try to eliminate some of those concerns to a guy like Schobert, so he's not thinking about what what's going to happen with my contract. He's only thinking about what am I going to do to elevate my game. Yeah, I mean, and that's pretty much it. And the other thing, though, and you know, guys, I said this yesterday when I saw you know a bunch of you guys got upset about Justin Houston. Guys, we're getting really close here to where it's almost musical chairs time. You're, you you could put together for what what's in here now to a fifty three man roster, and you still have eight draft picks to go. There ain't no way eight, eight draft picks are going to make this team. Uh, the only other question from the Lockdown and Brown accounts was about these reserve offensive linemen. Um, look, you're going to have to give some insurance to Austin Corbett. You know, Obviously, they think, and they're going to hand him the right guard position. I'm not sure if these guys are here for so much for competition as much as, you know, God forbid, Corbett does maybe fall on his can a little bit, and it, uh, some of it gets too big too quickly. He gradually progressed throughout the preseason. Um, if you want to say maybe there was you know a miss with Austin Corbett, maybe it was they thought he could be a left tackle, and you they, know, did. they no, did, they did, it didn't work out, <laughs> it didn't work out. But it doesn't mean that he can't go back to what he was doing, and he was a left guard in college. I mean, so you know, you assume right guard should be fine, and we've said this a, a bunch of other times. You know, if you weren't playing power five football, you know, if you put him out there as a rookie, maybe there would have been a lot of warts. But, you know, and also, I mean, you know, him starting at the left tackle of an 0-16 franchise at the time, you know, you know, you saw how the situation got too big for Desmond Harrison, and 
another one, but and you know that also that's another name here too. Obviously, you know, with some of the, the stuff that's been brought, uh, the players have been brought in, um, you're gonna need a you're gonna need a safety net for Austin Corbett, Pete. There's no doubt about it. And you know, and when's the last time you saw anybody beat writer wise people with access to the building even mention this guy's name? Who's that, Corbett? No, nah, Desmond, our buddy. Oh. Pfft. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm surprised he's still on the team. I won't be surprised if he's not before, you know, unceremoniously. He, he's over, hello, he, it looks like he may make a calendar year, though. Sure. Um, and, and you know, there are certain people that can celebrate his greatness and all the potential coming his way. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Cush is the competition for Corbett. That's what that is. I don't, I don't anticipate anything else. The, the dude they signed today is not. That's a body. You're not, that guy is not going to be getting. St- he's all uh, the makings. Of, he's all the makings of your second string preseason offensive line, and doesn't make your final eight or nine. Right. Like more than likely, he'll probably take reps when Petonio's tired of you know when they want him out. He can he can hop in there. Uh, but realistically, Cush could be in there competing for for starting reps, and just like Kendall Lamb could be competing for starting reps with with Hubbard. Uh, with Hubbard. But, and, but I mean, and Greg Robinson came up here too. For what they paid Greg Robinson, guys, he is your left tackle. Um, and you know, whether or not maybe they, they draft a guy and look, you know, and Pete and I have told you some names. If they draft somebody on day three, they they paid Greg, Greg Robinson to be the left tackle this year. Well, I mean, yes. Although there is a too many Tyler bonus involved with playing time and stuff, so which I'm sure is more of a carrot type situation than anything, and, and there's some weight clauses and all that stuff. Um, but I mean, Hubbard is tech, you know scheduled. Why don't they put holding calls in there? Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but if he doesn't hold, then you know if the quarterback gets whacked, then hold hold yeah. hold your ass off. Um, Baker will pay the extra money. But I mean, lost. Chris Hubbard's making something like seven point three million this year. But I mean, obviously they can get out of that a little more comfortably than they can. Uh, Greg Robinson, but you know, I am not worried about Austin Corbett. Uh, for me, bet on the Mormon. He's got. He's not not doing anything else. All he's doing is getting bigger, stronger, and and working on his game. Um, Reading his passages. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> sure. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You know, he's not challenging guys to bar fights like the kid from the Carolina Panthers and getting knocked the hell out on the street. That's not happening, though. Yes, that's where you're not worried about him um the browns weren't worried about him last year they put him in at left tackle he was always going to be an interior guy um you know i don't think i don't think they go you know we're taking austin we're taking austin corbett you know he failed at left tackle we're going to get rid of zeitler anyway and just say screw it you're going to try to play guard and see how it works like i always you know (laughs) nominally tried it See if he could, you know, catch a spark or whatever. Found out quickly he couldn't. Resorted to what the real plan was all along, which was going to be an interior guy, and ultimately uh, is replacing Austin Corbett or uh, Kevin Tyler. And when he gets out there, uh, I expect year two, very confident, and and and, and you're going to see it. And you saw a little bit in the preseason line. He is a nasty cuss yep. on the field, and that's what you want out of the specifically right guard. He's got more movement skills than Zeitler had, and, he, and he's not quite as you know that phone booth power guy. Um, but nevertheless, he is a big, nasty dude who's looking to put guys on the ground, and that's what I think you're going to get from him. And when you when you when you're confident in year two, 
uh, and we'll see what Campen can do with him. But you know, I have every confidence that for some amount of time this off season, uh, he's working with his former teammate. Uh, you know, member of the Wolfpack guards that the Browns apparently have in Joel Batonio. And Joel Batonio is not going to let him, you know, be a slacker or anything like that. And there, he's going to be ready to go. Is there going to be a drop-off from Seitler? Yeah. I mean, he, I, the odds are, uh, uh, are I don't know how he could be better. <laughs> yes, I mean, the odds are certainly against it. He's not going to be quite as good as Kevin. He's not going to be the number one pass-blocking guard in the league. He... You know, maybe has a shot at being the number six run blocking right guard in the league. But yeah, I mean, obviously it's a very tall order to fill. But if he does eighty to eighty five percent of it for what? Let's see, one twelfth of the money. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, and and this was the thing of it. And and and, God, and we'll go to this here. I, the guy who went after me today, and and look, in anybody who listens to this show. What did I say a hundred times over? I wouldn't trade Duke Johnson. I wouldn't trade Duke Johnson. I wouldn't t- trade Duke Johnson. But if there's franchise, if there's moves this franchise is going to do, we're gonna have to talk about it. So you know, and look, it, it, it appears that they're going to move on. But here is the thing: if you brought in Hunt, and now Nick Chubb, he's going to get the full sixteen game slate. If you can pay Nick Chubb, and obviously you know, he'll make it about a million. Kareem Hunt for eight games is going to make even less than that. So the guy that come week nine or week ten in Duke Johnson, who at this point may not have a role whatsoever if Rashard Higgins sticks around, because he's going to be like your seventh or eighth place hitter if you want to call it a baseball lineup, what are you paying $5 million for? And this it's a business. This is how this stuff goes. Do I want to see Duke Johnson go? No, I do not. But if... Last year, and we screamed about it. Guys, we screamed about it during the 0-16 season. He's not Every getting the ball week. enough. What's up? Every week. Yes, Why he's not getting the, ball getting the ball enough. He's not getting the ball enough. So now it's been Hugh Jackson as head coach and offensive coordinator. Then it was, uh, you know, obviously Todd Haley last year as the offensive coordinator. Then the running back coach in Freddie Kitchens took over as the head coach. He saw the ball a tiny bit more. And now Freddie Kitchens is the head coach. So if Duke saw the ball last year on 100 touches, this year he may not even see that. So what? If you, you have people who manage your cap and manage your money say, if he's not even going to touch the ball 100 times, what are you paying him $5 million for? That's where you say maybe it is time to move on. And, and it, this will still go on. A lot of this could be Duke. I want to play. Can some? Can you just send me somewhere? And you want to know what? I understand this team may go twelve and four. I'd rather go to a place where the team's going to be three and thirteen and actually get to play the freaking game. That's the that's the frustrating part about it. You can't keep everybody. Um, yes, it sucks to lose guys like Zeitler. It sucks to lose guys like Jabril Peppers. It sucks that you may move on from a guy like Duke Johnson and Emmanuel Agba. All these guys, fantastic citizens, been with this team in the crappiest, worst of freaking times. But every now and then, if if you're not if you're not going to be worth the money you're being paid, a business is going to move on from you. And God knows, Pete, NFL franchises are businesses. And it sucks that these guys don't get to be get to stick around for the rewards of all this. But it's just the way this shit goes. Well it's look, we can we could have the entire pod be 
us kicking and screaming against moves we don't like. Um, God knows I, I slip in enough of my distaste with Jarvis Landry to have people complain I actually, about that. I actually had to use him in the defense of why you would maybe move on from Duke today. Because it was, well, you know, and, uh, you know, he put out a couple names. It's like, well, Jarvis Landry is still going to be a piece of the puzzle. They're, they're still going to throw him the ball. I mean, it just, it, maybe he's the odd man out. And it sucks. It sucks. Well, it's the same with, like, Emmanuel Agba. You and I both would like him to be here because we both think he's a good player. Both think he was arguably the defensive MVP of 2017. Until he went uh, down. And then he ran, ran into issues with injury. But it doesn't serve us or people who listen to just sit here and go, well, we're just not going to deal with this. Well, could you you imagine this one though? Kareem Hunt comes back for week nine, week 10. And all of a sudden you got to sit down and ask Duke Johnson, you got to play a little special teams because that's what third string running backs do. How would that go over? (laughs) Right. I mean, well, I mean, it's just first, like pretending it's not a thing, isn't going to make it any less of a thing. So like with Ogba, we have to talk about what you know how he could potentially be moved and what that would look like, and all those things. We can still say if if you know at the end of the day when if Duke Johnson or Emmanuel Ogbell are moved, we still don't think this is a good idea. We'll see how it plays out, uh, and this is what we think of what they're doing with the move. And we may be proven right, Carl Nassib, but ultimately we have <laughs> to go with where the team is going because at least for the moment. This could change at any moment. Jeff and I are not making moves of this team. Um, if that happens, yeah, I mean, it, take yeah. on a whole different feel. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, all we can do is either agree, disagree, and then talk about where this thing is going and what's the next step. It doesn't help anyone to just sit here and drag our feet and go, you know, or or you know. It, it, the, 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 the pod changes from lockdown Browns to lockdown something else if they treat Duke Johnson. Like, it just doesn't work that way. Uh, we are we are constrained to what this team is doing and where they're going, even if we like players. Uh, you know, we like Zeitler um, quite a bit. Obviously, you have a little bit of relationship with that family, and it sucks. I, I talked with his wife today about New Jersey. I, I literally messaged with Mrs. Zeitler today. And she asked me where you are in New Jersey, and you know, and I kind of explained to her. I was like, it's a little bit different. I said, you guys are going to be up there, and you know, and she she rattled off a couple of towns, and she's like, these towns seem like they would be more Wisconsinish and more Cleveland, and I I absolutely one hundred percent agree with her. I'm like, yes, it'll be more quiet. It's more subdued. I said, yeah, you'll have neighbors who play with him. You'll have neighbors who play with the Jets. You know, and yes, it, it sucks to lose him. It does, but it. You just can't rerun it year in, year out. It's It just doesn't work that way. So, right. So it becomes a situation where, you know, in the case of Zeitler and Jabril Peppers, we both hope they absolutely crush it for the Giants. But at the same time, we're also hoping that Austin Corbett is great. And we're hoping that Odell Beckham is great. And we'll see how it all plays out. Um, we can, you know, we can like or dislike things, but we can't just – refuse to move forward and see where this thing's going to work it's the same thing with like you know it's a question that's constantly brought up when i see these the questions bring what's it going to take for jarvis landry to sort of shut me up or whatever um that's a fine you know that's a good question in terms of it's moving us forward like it's not 
you know, does the, do you wish you had the fourth and seventh round pick back? I mean, the answer is yes, but it doesn't matter. It's you know, that's that's gone. Those picks are those picks have been used at this point. But, so, but, and, but even at the end of it, it went from zero and sixteen to seven, eight, and one. So it, it's you look, we're getting down the freaking path, and that's what matters. And look, you know, d- will his slot role maybe be more effective this year? Yeah, I mean, it, it could be with I, Odell I there. I certainly hope so. <laughs> I mean, it because, better be. Because if we did it, I mean, all right, we'll have a little fun here. A lot of people said, maybe if you get a guy like Odell, it'll make things easier for Jarvis. And it probably will. It's going to limit his amount of opportunities. But I'll tell you right now, there's going to be times where Jarvis Landry is going to be open on a five-yard out or a five-yard hitch, and he's going to turn around and, all right, well, I'm just going to consume the 20 yards in front of me because... Nobody covered me. Right. So, yeah, I mean, for one thing, it, it better be better because there are a lot of people who are riding, have, have this argument riding on the fact that Odell Beckham's going to fix the problem. Um, so, <laughs> Guys, we're having some fun. Relax. So it's Friday night. We'll see. I mean, and, and if, if Jarvis Landry is great and not his not his faux Pro Bowl season, I mean, great in that. And, 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 and I will say this: his touchdowns will go up this year. There's no doubt about that. His touchdown receptions will go up this year. So to answer the question that people, here's what I want. So last year, Jarvis Landry was supposed to be the best receiver on the team, and if you go by raw statistics, he was. If you go by any measure of efficiency, Rashard Higgins was better. So for me, if you're asking me what does Jarvis Landry need to do to shut me up, he needs. If last year he was supposed to be the number one receiver on this team. This year he's supposed to be the number one, two receiver on this team. He better goddamn well be the number two receiver and not. If you go by this particular statistic, he's better than Rashard Higgins. Like that, he has to be much better. Like if Rashard Higgins is straight up better than him, if Antonio Callaway passes him, yeah, you're gonna hear a lot about it. But hopefully. It means he's great. He's actually like, you know, I think it's 2015 or 2016 Jarvis Landry where he had the best season of his career. Like, that would be great. Um, I'm not yeah, counting no. on it, but... No, but 90 we'll but ninety targets, 65 receptions. The yardage will always fluctuate with a guy like him. But seven, eight touchdowns. That will be a fantastic year for Jarvis Landry. You know, Just be better in the amount of targets you're given. And the uncatchable balls, this, that, and the other thing. What will be fun is... Does who who's going to throw the passes? Is it going to be Odell or is it going to be him? Stuff like that's going to be fun. Baker's going to be pissed because he's going to want those touchdown passes himself. Jarvis should do all the throwing because he's a lefty. But yeah, but he can do it both ways. I mean, you know, it, you can. But I mean, I, I've got Baker Mayfield. He's my right-handed quarterback. I I, I go I go <laughs> I go Jarvis to go to the lefty. I bring in the southpaw. And I and I will go with that one. Uh, it, it wasn't even the two-point pass. It was the throw to it, it was the throw to Perriman because the Bengals had that covered. Nobody knew that Jarvis Landry could throw a football 60 freaking yards. That's why it worked. I don't yeah, even think but, Perriman knew he could throw it that far. Yeah, he's better than anything on the Ravens. That's true. That's true. And the other thing is he could probably run, you know, some of those draws up the I mean, you know, and the counters. He was good at those, too. So, I mean, maybe there's a possibility there. Oh, God. Freddie, stop. I hope you're not listening. Please, let's not put that package in. Have six. Take every goddamn snap. Don't go with the Taysom Hill approach where Drew Brees is watching snaps. Um, guys, look, for a Friday, uh, we threw some stuff together. Uh, you're not going to, I'll get you something out Sunday, uh, Saturday, tomorrow. We're going to take our day of rest here. Uh, guys, um, we've already officially, uh, now, I told you we took a little step back in February, stupid February, and you're only 28 days. Um, March has now been the biggest month of the show. 
you know, obviously, uh, thank you, John Dorsey, for the Odell Beckham edition that had a lot to do with it, along with Sheldon Richardson, along with Olivier Vernon. I'm just going to continue to pump out great stuff here. Uh, Dan Arlowski, we're going to sit down with either Monday night or Tuesday night, and we're going to take Baker from year one. And you know how you know how much goes into a quarterback now with expectations going in from year one to year two. I'm assuming Odell's name will play into that conversation as well. Uh, so you know, a bunch of fun stuff. We're going to continue to keep it coming here, keep it fresh. Uh, you know, more. You know, obviously a couple moves are going to be made here still. I don't think John's completely done. We can start getting more in a drafts and doing mock drafts and all that stuff here. Um, a couple more prospect interviews that I am very excited to get onto this. And you know, obviously all my Ohio folks, you're going to love these two. That we're going to get to, um, but but you know, blast is always um, Pete Smith. Obviously, NFL spin zone. We're going to keep pump, pumping out work here, guys. And one thing, guys. Again, look, look, if you love this information, you love our information, then keep it here. I mean, like I, I don't, you know, I, I will let my numbers speak for themselves. I will always let the show's numbers speak for themselves. Uh, you know, and Pete has been a huge part of this. You know, with what we do with the day to day stuff, you know, obviously we always mix on other guests. But we kind of try to give it like a little bit of, you know, almost like an hour of radio vibe, you know. And y- you need two guys to do that. And there's times where I can get Pete's goat going in. There's times where I know Pete's going to drop something and I'm just sitting there waiting because I know I'm going to laugh and I'm gonna get some reaction. But this has helped the show grow and I appreciate you guys for all being along here. So make sure you're following at underscore Pete Smith underscore uh, the Lockdown Browns account at Lockdown Browns. Always keep it a follow back account. You guys are fantastic with that. Trust me, anything you want to ask, you don't want to put it on Twitter, I will tell you all the time. Send a DM over there. I'm great at returning those. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Um, thanks for listening. And remember, when you ca- uh, you can subscribe on the new Himalayan podcast app. Long to Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever it is. Um, but guys, uh, Himalaya is just another source here for you now. Go ahead, download it. If you're looking for something different, looking for a change in your podcast app, LGB on the LOB, guys. Let's go Browns.